listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Well, today we start a new series uh, based on the, uh, the paradoxes of God, uh, based on the different way that the kingdom works to the world works. Because who knows, there's a very big difference. Right, and, uh, and I've had a literally a, uh, a title blank in my head. Is it Upside Down World? Between Two Worlds, there it is. Thank you for helping your pastor. It is Between Two Worlds. This dynamic of living, the here and the now, and the reality of the world that surrounds us, and the, the culture that surrounds us, and the pressures that surround us, and the expectations that surround us. Then, I guess... The, the, the significance of our lives then aligning and living within the hand of what God leads us to live and the way that He desires us to view things and the perspective that we are to take in the world that we live. Because isn't it amazing? He says we need to be in the world but not of the world, which tells us uh, that this life that we're living isn't the full entirety of everything that we are going to enjoy. And life is great. We get to enjoy what God is doing. We get to enjoy the friends and the family we have. We get to enjoy different aspects of the world that we live in. But God's saying, I don't want you to be of this world, but you need to be in this world, but you need to live with a kingdom mindset. And so, uh, you know, different paradoxes there are. You know, how God says, if you want to be strong, then actually you need to be boasting in your weakness. Where the world doesn't say, hey, if you want to be strong and perceived to be successful, the last thing you need to do is portray any weakness in your life. You need to fake it till you make it, baby. Like, you got to do whatever it takes, right? And this whole sense of if you want to be the greatest, then you actually need to be the most servant of all. What a, what a different dynamic that is. That, hang on, I'd be great, but at the same point, I'm going to take the lowest position in the room. And we have a Savior who did that. He's incredible. And today we're going to look at the paradox of what it is. If we want to be first, then actually we need to be last. This whole dynamic of actually if we, if we want to actually have a life of significance, we want to live a here now life that makes a lasting impact, then we actually need to live a life that doesn't seek to be the best and the, the most prominent and the, the look at me, well, how great I am. It's actually to look to take a different posture, a different position, a different viewpoint, and therefore we will end up in a place where we find that God positions us as first. And so it's this paradox, it's backwards thinking, but because it's kingdom, it works. It works. So can we pray as we get into it this morning? Father, I thank you so much that your word and your ways, although mysterious, I guess, in a sense to the the common reality of today, they are not far obtainable. They are not out of reach. They are not something that actually, when we activate it, be in a position that causes confusion, but actually it brings clarity. It's not something that leaves us wondering, well, where are you? But actually we find you in a greater sense, in a greater way. When we look to lose more of ourselves, we actually gain more of who you are. And God, that's what we want as your kids. Is we want to be more uh, you know, aware of your presence. We want to be more led by your Holy Spirit. We want to be in a position where you can use us more because we're actually out of the way. We're actually not the one taking all control. Father, we just again make ourselves vulnerable. We open our hearts to you saying, would you speak? Would you use every word that you've placed in my heart for today? God, shift it, change it, mold it, make it to be your word. Let it be revelation to us today that it would cause great fruit. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Just before we get into it, I I just wanted to as well um, just say, I stirred in my heart that in this season of time when we are in a, obviously as 
we're choosing our future uh, government and prime minister, I want us to, as a church, hold the, uh, the value and the significance of the season to pray. We cannot hope something good turns out. <laughs> Although we have great hope in our God, He actually calls us to pray. We want to see things shift? Pray. You want to see things last? Pray. You want to see things broken over something and there be a freedom? Pray. In fact, the Bible tells us actually if you want, you actually need to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves and pray. Turn from our ways. Seek Him and He can heal our land. And we are in a time where our land needs healing. Come on, there are things that are skewer and, and abnormal and are causing destruction on the left, on the right. We need a healing. We cannot be so proud that we think, oh, it's all good. We actually need to get desperate for God. And so on the 18th, obviously, uh, there will be the decision that is made. But I'm saying, this is what I'm doing. And if you find space in your heart and you just feel stirred to in your conviction, then I'd encourage you to take time to fast and pray at some point over the next couple of weeks and just really commit this to God. Commit the hearts of people that don't even know God to have a God prompting and leading in the decisions that they make. That we would not vote with what's best for me, but actually what is best for our nation. And so I encourage you, over the next 14 days, I'm just going to do a Daniel fast and just believe. And there's going to be a greater proximity and time to stand and believe in prayer. And so I'd encourage you to be stirred by what God puts in your heart and do not think, oh, that's right, I should have done something. <laughs> No, no, let's stand and let's do what God puts in our heart to do. And let's believe for a sovereign hand of God over this next few weeks as people are leaded, led to vote. Is that a good thing? Awesome. Awesome. Now, I know, and I've got to hurry because I've got, got more than three points. I know firsthand what it is to seek self and come up empty. I know what it is to be, as an 18-year-old, living the dream that I carried in my heart only to find that it was completely unfulfilling. I dreamed of snowboarding and getting paid for it. I grew up in a great family. I wasn't a rebel. I had good friends, all that kind of stuff. And I had this dream, if I could snowboard and get paid for it, then I'd be living the dream. Here I am living the dream uh, in relationships, had that element going on, was pr relatively successful within our team that we had, all that kind of stuff, yet you find yourself shallow and empty. You find yourself void of that which really matters. And we have the world, though, on the other hand, saying, no, keep pursuing a little further. Keep, keep going. Get, you just get a little bit more money. You just get a little bit more status. You just get a little bit more achievement. You just get a little bit further. Then the success is going to come. You just get a few people knowing who you are, and then you're really going to feel, oh, I've now made it. People know my name. They know who I am. But the truth of it is, is it doesn't work. Come on, if we're all honest, we know it doesn't work. It ends up empty. The world promises so much, but never, ever delivers. It's funny, when the kids are born, a kid never has a problem dreaming. And a child never has a problem dreaming. What do you want to be? They'll be whatever they dream. There's no limit in it. But it's funny at the same time that when a child is born, they are also born with a pretty quick uh, ability to want the best and the first, and they want the biggest piece, and they want it their way. Like there's, it's just like it's like it's in us. It doesn't the world say that we were born into this world? We are all born of flesh, right? And so we're born in this world, and these desires. I don't know about you, but when a pizza box box opens, what do you see? I see sizes of slices. Is anybody else like me? I'm just like, and then I'm looking at it. Okay, 
All right, there's about two that are roughly about the second biggest, but that one is definitely the biggest. I actually used to work in a pizza store, and I would slice the pizza before it went out. And sometimes, on purpose, I would slice it to be be a very big advantage in one piece and a very small, just to dream of what they'd be like in the lounge room that it opens. Because I know how I work. And I'm, I'm just thinking, hey, I'll pray and then we'll just get into it, you know? Like everyone closes their eyes and I'm just nailing it. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. We'll go that one and then on that flavor, that one's big too. Like hopefully no one gets that. Do we seek first? Because I, I believe that when we, we actually grow up, we, we have that natural entitlement. that We have this natural alignment to actually want the biggest and the best. And we want to be first and we want to cut the line and we want to get that. And there's this thing of we want more. But the trouble with this is, is it'll never lead to a fulfilling life. It'll never lead to the life that God has called us to live. C.S. Lewis, uh, in a book he wrote, Mere Christianity, put it like this. Yes, he says, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find Him. And with Him, everything else is thrown in. Everything else is thrown in. Everything else is thrown in. Oh no, but if I don't get it here, then how am I going to? See, the, the tension we have is that we're born into this world. We, we are flesh, so we've got this wrestle, this fight that's going on. And we've got to actually fight the urges to keep promoting self and, and getting the best and having more and having this and having that to see, achieve some sort of happiness or some sort of title or goal. And God's actually saying that's actually not the way that it works. But the problem I feel is that the observation I have is, and I had as I was growing up, as I was as an 18, 19, 20-year-old, when I did, I guess, leave that pursuit of a dream of, of just entertainment and fun and adventure and actually submitted my life to God, He took me on this journey. And I guess for a season of time, I hadn't really realized that actually the life living in Christ was a life that actually was exceedingly and abundantly and above what I could imagine and think. I actually thought it was limited and small. I thought that I would miss out on the things that I had in my heart. I thought that I would go without and I thought I would end up doing something I didn't want to do, confined by religion. And this, I think, is a lot of our perspectives when it comes to actually entrusting God with the big things in our heart. We can so often go, yeah, but if I do that, if I surrender everything, then I'm going to miss out. I'm honestly going to miss out. Our business won't succeed. Because I've got to get that, and I've got to work harder, and I've got to have that. My family, man, we'll, we'll all go without because we just have to give everything away. This is not God's principle here. But if you want to be first, you'll actually end up empty-handed and last. But if we seek to be last, then actually we could end up in a place where the Bible says that actually no eye has seen and no ear has heard the plans that God has for those who actually love Him and entrust themselves to Him. And so to live a life of last, we've got to live a life of love. And one that trusts our God. And so I want us to base out of, um, oh, actually, the scripture is great because it's been something that I, I guess really for me and my journey 
as I got saved, I, I grabbed hold of the scripture and I kept on letting it be something that was like a devotion in my own mindset. And it was Romans 12.1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This actually is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who knows? The, 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 the battlefield is here. It's all here. <laughs> You're going to miss out. No, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that lie. Don't listen. No, no, the battlefield's here. Renew this mind. Renew this mind. Align it with His Word. You know, like, <laughs> renew this mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And His will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Come on, God doesn't have boring, average, and low, like mundane. He has good, he has pleasing, and he has something that was actually perfectly created for who you are. So I want us to go to Mark 8.34, where we kind of base these next, I guess, points out of. And it, uh, it'll be on the screen for you as well. But it's the way, to the way of the cross. And it says this in verse 34. It says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, I love that. He called the crowd to him and his disciples. This is not just for religious people. This is not just for Christians. This actually is the answer for everybody. He called everybody into the environment and said, Hey guys, you, you want to actually live a satisfied life? Like you actually want something that's going to last and actually going to fulfill who you are and you're actually going to feel like, wow, this is what life's really for. So he calls everybody. And I love in the way that he would say this. He would not say this with condemnation, nor would he say it in a way that would make people feel like they couldn't achieve it because he loved every person and he wanted people to know the truth. He says, man, guys, everybody come together. He says, whoever, I love that as well. It's not limited to a selective few. It's not about elite believers. It's everybody. Whoever wants, it's our choice. It's, your, it's our wanting. We've got to want this. You can want something else, but you've actually got to, like, you want this? Because I'm not going to force it upon you. I'm not going to say, you have to be last, you have to be last. No, you've actually got to have something in you that wants to surrender, wants to give your life to Him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Actually place yourself a second. Take up your cross and follow me. Hear that? Your, your, your husband can't do it for you. You can't do it for your teenagers. Teenagers here, your parents can't do it for you. You've got to take up your cross. Like we all have a cross to bear. We've got to own that. We've got to take that up. We've got to take ownership of that. And it says this word, follow me. I love that. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What's the point in having everything, but in the end having nothing? What's the point in having all the followers, all the accolade, all the finance, all the buildings, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the, but then to get to the end of this life and realize, actually, we've got nothing. It amounts to nothing. Come on, we cannot live with our perspective of just today. We cannot see ourselves in light of 90 to 100 years plus. We have to look in an eternal perspective. So today I want to bring up some points and I want some people to come and help me with this. And I'm going to talk about what is it and what do we need to do to live a lasting life. So if we're going to be last and we want to live a full life, then we've got to live a lasting life where we continually put ourselves in a place where these things are priority in my life. So I have a lasting life, which will end up in a life of 
breakthrough and winning rather than a life of losing. That makes sense. First thing we need to do is we need to live a surrendered life. We need to live a surrendered life. I'm going to get Nadia to come up here. And Nadia uh, is going to be somewhat God and the Holy Spirit. And uh, who better than your wife, you know, because they know how to tell you what to do. So Nadia's going to come up here and I'm going to, uh, going to get this here. You can have that seat, babes. All right. See, I'm going to read this scripture again, but I'm going to read it from the message version. And it's really cool. It says this. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who interests to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Classic. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is not help at all. Self-sacrifice is actually the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it be to get everything you want and then lose you, the real you. This whole area of a surrendered life. See, what we love to be is we love to be in control. We love to be in the driver's seat. We love to tell God where we need Him and what we want Him to do. But actually, this is not what it's saying here. If you want to live a life that's lasting so that you're first, you're actually saying that I'm the driver, you're not the driver. But I like it this way. Because I can get God to join me where I want Him to join me and He can be a part of what I want Him to be a part of or her to be a part of what I want her to be a part of. And I I want the driving wheel. But if I'm wanting this life to turn around and I'm wanting it to have the impact I want it to have and if I want it to have the influence I want it to have and if I want it to have the success I want it to have and if I want it to make a difference that doesn't just last with me but goes for eternity, then actually I've got to surrender the driving wheel and I've got to give this to God. And trust me, it's pedal to the metal every single time. Now, the crazy thing is, is that when we do this, we lose an element of control. But what we often do is this. You go, God, you've got this. And then we like, is anyone else a backseat driver like I am? I am solid. Man, I am one of the best, right? And we, and we constantly like, no, no, that's, I know you want to go. No, no, I'm over here. No, no, I, I, I want this. No, I want this promotion. I actually, no, I'd really love to live over there. And God's going, yeah, but am I over there? Am I in that opportunity? Or is this just what you want? Oh, no, well, it's what I want, but you can come with me. Come on, come on. But if we actually are going to surrender, it actually often just doesn't look like this, that we keep heading where we want to go. Often God will straight away take us on a direction that we actually don't really know what they're doing and where they're going. And then there's this moment, do we, do, we, do we surrender to their leading? Do we just surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading? Do we surrender to where they want to go? Or do we want to stay stubborn and go, no, I want to go where I want to go? And actually God's asking us, if we want to live a life of impact, then we've actually got to follow. We've actually got to go and surrender. And you go, but it's not where I want to end up. It's not where I want to land. It's not where I want to be. But the truth of it is, if we surrender, then a surrendered life is a trusting life. It's actually willing to trust and go, I don't understand it right now. I don't really know where we're going because I want to go over there. But I've got to trust that God sees all. God knows all. God created the end from the beginning. God knows where I need to go, knows what I have to go through and starts to lead me. And then it goes on. and it, So it's not just a surrendered life, but it's actually an aligned life. An aligned life. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up the cross. And it says here, follow me. This is now like another level, right? This is not just sitting beside, but this is actually follow. This is actually a position of saying, God, I'm not just asking you to be a part of what I'm a part of. I'm actually aligning my life to you. Because who knows where God wants to take us is not probably where we want to go. We are going to face some things. We're going to walk through some things. He's going to, God's going to journey us through some things that actually we are going to find ourselves going, God, I actually don't want to be here. I don't want to walk through this. We see Jesus. He lives an aligned life. He lives a surrendered life, a trusting life. Yet there are moments in Jesus' walk where he is saying to God, God, really? Like, really? You, I have to do this. Really? I'm going down this path? And we find it, and everybody knows in the Garden of Gethsemane is where we see the situation. But actually, it's not just in the Garden. It's also in John uh, 12, where it talks about this account where he's talking about where he's going to have to face death and he's going to have to die. And it says, if anyone loves their life, they'll lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. Which means wherever they go, I'm there. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm in. Whatever you want, I'll do it. There's actually not this point where it's like becomes optional every time God makes a decision for us and leads us. We're actually in alignment. And then it goes on and says, um, um, my father will honor the one who serves me. But verse 27, he says, now my soul is troubled. This is Jesus speaking. And what shall I say? He's in a position where he's saying, God, where you're leading me right now, I actually don't want to go. And there has to be this moment of a transformed mind. And God, Jesus says, Father, save me from this hour. Then there's this abrupt moment where Jesus says, no, actually it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And there are going to be things in our lives that God is going to lead us into. And we have to have the assurance and we've got to have the capacity to know that God is in control, He knows what He's doing, knows where they're leading you, and you've just got to say, you know what, as much as I want out of this, God, I'm going to trust you're going to get me through this. Come on, there's some things that we're going through, we're trying to get off, we're trying to drum ship, we're trying to get out of there, and God's actually saying, no, you just need to stay in alignment and follow me. Just follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, and then you'll get to the point where you get to look back and you see and go, wow. What an incredible pathway and plan God had. Imagine if I just went my way and didn't follow His way. Not only is it a surrendered life and an aligned life, but it's also a planted life. It's a planted life. And so I'm going to get somebody else to come and join me. Dino, there's a seat over there, mate, on your way up. Grab a seat, come and sit next to me. A planted life. All right, a planted life is a life where we are positioning ourselves. If we're going to live a lasting life, then we need to have a planted life where we are put ourselves in the church. If, we, if we're going to have this following life, g'day, mate. Yeah, right here. Perfect. You can face the other way if you want, but God's going that way. And being that this, you're the church, I think we should be still following God, uh, which is cool. But, uh, but here we are. Now, for me to live this life, I've actually got to not just have a following of God, but I need the church. 
God set up His church, His bride, to enable us to live this life out. Come on, we need the support of one another. We need an environment where we're getting built up in faith. We need an area where people are going to stand with us and believe a breakthrough. We need to be in a position where people are helping us take steps forward. I can encourage you now that you will never live the full satisfied life that you want to live if you are not planted in the house of God. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. Come on, if you're not flourishing and there's things that you're feeling are just withering and withering and hard and hard, I'm telling you, put your roots down deep into the church. Come on, there, this place here, the Ecclesia, the house of God is a place that is called to raise up and release people into the fullness of God. Come on, we're believing that we're going to go to two morning services before the end of this year. And it's cool to see this place filling out. But some of us, come on, we're here just for what, what, what suits us. We turn up when it suits us and we come when it suits us. We sit where it suits us. We serve. Well, we don't really serve because it doesn't really suit us. Come on, there is actually more on your life, Right? There's a more God wants to do in you and through you, but it comes in this moment where you've actually got to get the church a part of who you are. Doesn't the Bible tell us? It's, it's great. In Hebrews 10, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Come on, don't give up. Don't get things sorted to a certain degree and then just back, the, back off. I've met people that have come in broken, their lives have got restored, their marriages are better, and then they disappear. Literally to bump into them in the community and go, how's it going? Where you been? What's been happening? Oh, things got good, so we just started going away a bit more, and we started just going to this and going to that, and we kind of don't really have time anymore. Come on, that's not the way God designed it to be. He doesn't want you to flourish for a season. He wants you to flourish for a lifetime. But we've got to be planted. We've got to have the church around us. So we're going to live a lasting life. We're going to live a surrendered life. We're going to live an aligned life. We're going to live a life that's got his house, his church, fully engaged in our world. But also, we need to live a partnered life. So Adrian, grab a chair over there, bro. Come and join me, being finance manager here at church. We need to live a partnered life. You know, so what's a partnered life? Yep, you're behind me. Now, Adrian represents finances. If we're going to live a life that lasts, then this is an area that will do everything it can to try and substitute your Savior. <laughs> He's talking to the church, telling the church needs to spend less. But, um, <laughs> but isn't it amazing how money will say you can be powerful? Money will say you can be secure? Money will say that you can have happiness? Money will try and substitute your Savior. And if we have a love of money, I'm not saying finances are bad, but if we have a love for money, I'm telling you, we aren't going to stay in this place where, where we're, we're looking to be last. It's going to call our name to say, God, there's an opportunity to be first. There's an opportunity to be first. Get that. People are going to make you, oh, man, you get those shoes. Everyone's going to be like in the foyer. Oh, you're the man. Look at those shoes. You're the man. It's a $50 pair of shoes. Like, that has no character building quality of who you really are. And I'm not saying don't have cool shoes. I like shoes. But if that's where you're finding validation, if that's where you're feeling like people think you're great, then I'm thinking that we aren't actually in a place where we are allowing God to lead us and love us how we need to be loved and led. Come on, we need to honor God in the area of our tithe. Why? Because it's a heart issue. And if we're going to live this last life, then our heart needs to be aligned to what God's principles are. And it's not about getting money for the church. It's about releasing us into God's purpose and His kingdom. Come on, it's an area that God says, come on, if you would shoe this area, if you would honor this area, you watch. You're not going to go out. 
you're not going to lose out here. It's going to be an area that actually you're going to be in a position that you could bless more and help others more than you ever could when you did it on your own. The awesome thing with the giving is, is that when we sow into the church, who knows that everything that we do and everything that we see and every person that encounters friendliness and, and belonging and has their kids in a program and the community stuff is all done because we sow into and we honor in this area. It's another level of effectiveness and fruitfulness that God can entrust us. Come on, do not let finances, do not let money try and be a substitute for your Savior. See, it's not just about a lot of finance, it's actually about a lack as well. A lack of finance can have just as much hold on any person, if not more sometimes, yes. than those with much. And I really want to encourage you as a church, we, we look and we live to, in a way that we can enable people to have freedom in this area. And so if you are in a position where you just find like you're going from week to week to week, then please, you need to connect with our CAP team. You need to connect with Joel. You need to look at when our next CAP budgeting course is and just get some practicals around how do I start budgeting so I'm not living day to day. How am I in a place where I'm just trying to pay these credit cards back, pay these credit cards? You just need someone to help assure you, hey, you can, you can actually do this. This here, there, this little change, awesome. Or maybe you're in a position that you're going, well, my job doesn't allow it and you need a new job. Then get a new job. Why stay where you are if it's limiting who God says you can be? Then come and meet with our CAP team and meet with the job club crew who can help you put a CV together and help look and, and research different jobs that are available and equip you to feel confident to go for a new position. Or maybe you're just stuck in debt. Come see our cat team. Come on, there you can have freedom in this area, that it's not an area of bondage. Come on, that's what we're here as a church to do, to do life together. Stop walking in and going, it's great, it's great. And you walk out heavy under the burden of something that's weighing you down. And this is not just for us, it's for everybody that we know. And so if you know anyone in those situations, come on, avail the church to help and get involved. So number a partnered life. After a partnered life, we need to live a forgiving life. Who wants to be forgiveness? Lala, do you want to be forgiveness today? I love Lala. She's amazing. She's the sweetest person. Come on, give Lala a hand as she comes. Isn't it amazing when you start living a last-focused life, how your life doesn't get smaller, it starts to get bigger? We kind of think, oh, no, it gets smaller when we follow God. No, no, your life actually starts getting bigger and bigger. It starts expanding wider and wider. You're not isolated. You're not our own. You're not in your own wisdom. You've actually got this ability. And who knows? God's leading us. Hey, God's taking us forward. We still don't know where we're going, just like when Nadia drives the car. We don't know where we're going. It always takes longer, but we may get there. Um, okay, a forgiving life. So can you forgive me for that? That was great. <laughs> A forgiving life. If we're going to live a lasting life, then we've got to forgive. We've, we can't let, we cannot hold on to offense. Offense is going to hold you back. Offense is going to hold you down. Seriously, I love this scripture because it just reminds us of, of the fact that it's not every time a big thing happens, but it's actually all the time. It says this in Mark 11, uh, 25. Whenever you stand praying, Forgive, which tells me we get offended a lot. Anybody else? Like just things just like they, they, they offend you. Like they, they, they like, oh, they niggle your heart. The person didn't say hello to you. I didn't like connect with you. And, and, I, like, and all of a sudden, oh, they, they don't notice me and they don't this. and they don't. We get offended all the time. But I'm telling you, this is going to hold us back. 
And you go, oh no, I'm free. But the truth of it is you are anchored to unforgiveness. You are anchored. You can't move forward. I remember big moments where I had unforgiveness, where literally when I became a Christian at 18, my friends told Two of my key friends told everybody that, oh, Craig's changed. He's not the same anymore. You, like, honestly, you don't want to hang with him. He's like weird, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, man, we've done years together. We've had each other's back. I've snuck you out of places where the cops were going to take you to jail. Like, are you serious? And this is what it ends up as? And huge areas of hurt and offense. And God's saying to me, Craig, why are you waiting for them to forgive, ask for forgiveness? Why are you waiting? You need to forgive them. And I remember where I was because I was standing in my bath. I don't know why. Maybe it was a bomb shelter moment where I just felt like everything was going to blow up. But I I stood there and I rang him and I had not talked to him for five years. The next day he was flying to Europe indefinitely. And I rang him and I said, hey, it's been a long time since we've chat. I just want to say, can you please forgive me? Because for the last number of years I've been really upset at the way that you started talking to everybody when I became a Christian. I wasn't looking to push anyone away and I was really hurt by what you did. Can you forgive me? I've got to tell you, the awkwardness in that phone call was really tangible. <laughs> it was very real. But you know the freedom that came in that? You know that our Savior didn't stand off waiting for us to go and ask for forgiveness? He came and he came down and he paid a price and he said, I freely forgive you. Here it is, it's yours. When you're ready, take it. And why are we waiting for somebody else to come to us and beg for forgiveness. No, forgive them. You, you take the first step. You forgive them. But this is too deep, Craig. It's too hard. Maybe your first prayer is, God, help me forgive them. Yeah. And just the utterance of the words, Lord, I forgive them. I'm not ready to talk to them. I'm not ready to see them. But Lord, I forgive them. It's amazing how this can start to set us free. Come on, stop holding onto a fence. Stop making big things out of small things. Come on, live light. Live free. Live big. Doesn't the Bible say, hey, if, if you're going to hold a fence, I can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. That's a really, that's why we need a lasting life because we actually need to learn to forgive. I've got a couple more, but obviously we're not going to get there for time. But if I was to unpack them and maybe another day, but not only a forgiving life, we need to live a serving life. A serving life. The Bible says, come on, that what you do for the least of these, you do for me. Come on, are we so in our lane that we've stopped noticing people that are hurting around us? Are we so in our lane that we stop noticing the person that's sitting on the side of a road hoping that someone would give them food or just a little, a few coins? Are we so in our own lane and so in the busyness of our schedule that we've lost the, the tangibility of what we have to offer in a smile and a conversation and a nice word? Come on, this life is getting full, 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 but do not be too busy to offer yourself, yeah. offer mercy, offer grace to help people. I remember just recently at a cafe, People were waiting for me to be there. And as I'm walking to this beautiful cafe, there's a lady sitting outside Baker's Delight. And I didn't have any coins on me. I don't carry coins. I just got the card. And she didn't have a little pay wave. I couldn't tap it to give her any money. But I said, hey, I haven't got money, but I have got the opportunity to buy you lunch. Do you want me to buy you lunch? She goes, oh, yeah, no, that'd be great. I'll have a quiche and a strawberry milk, like without hesitation. (laughs) Right? And I was like, on it. Right? Walked in, got the quiche, got the large strawberry milk. I come out and she goes, oh, thank you. Has that got bacon in it? And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know, but I hope it has. Let me know if it doesn't. We can get you another one. And I said, you know, uh, I just said, you you noticed. And I said, let's be praying for you. God bless you. And she goes, yeah, God bless you too in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And it wasn't about taking it further and trying to have a big, deep conversation. But come on, we are here. Because in the Bible, say like when the king said, when, when did we see you? When did we 
know you. When did we help? He goes, well, that what you did for the least of these. Come on, we want to live a last first, and we've got to honestly start looking at those who are doing far worse than us, those who are without, and start offering what we have to bring hope and help to others. The second last thing is a saving life. We're not just here to get saved. We're here to live a life that helps lead others to salvation. Obviously, they would have seats as well that would be joining me. And our life gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Sat on a plane for two hours yesterday, talked to literally a guy who was looked like my twin. He literally had the same shorts, the same T-shirt, hats on like it was classic. Born and raised in New Zealand, raised in a Christian home. But he walked away at 17 because he simply said, you know, all I notice is people that one, say they believe one thing but don't live it. And the second thing is they just keep talking about what they can get and what's about them and what's for them. I feel like I would have more influence and impact if I went out and just rung up a friend who I knew was doing it tough and I could just spend time with them. Now 34 years old, expecting his first child. We spoke for two hours about church and God. and I said, you'd have no idea how aligned you are (laughs) with God's heart. But you just got to understand our God's not a God of religion. He's a God of relationship. And if you'd be willing to open your heart again to the reality of a relationship, I said, you'd find that you wouldn't actually be the odd one out in the church. You'd actually feel like, man, alive. These people are just like me. Haven't got it all together. Haven't got everything perfect. But he spends his life now basically creating communities for people to get together, do life with one another. I'm like, man, you're living saved. You just need to be saved. (laughs) I would love to say that, you know, then I got to pray with him and stuff like that. But that wasn't the end result. But I said, hey, if if you're ready, you you honestly would feel so at home if you came. And he goes, you know what? That's really cool. What's the name? I said, life. He goes, I'll remember that. (laughs) Who knows? We might see him one day. Be fantastic. What a brilliant guy he was. See, the thing of it is, is that we are all longing for community. We're all longing, but nobody needs religion. Everybody needs relationship. The last point is, if we're going to live this life, then this is a spirit-led life. It's a spirit-led life. Even Jesus in his first message said, for the prince of God is on me and it's anointed me to live this life out. Come on, we're not going to live all this life out of a devotion and and just a discipline. We're going to live this life out when we live a life of worship and a life of desiring our king and having a spirit in our hearts. We need to get God on the inside. Come on, I find it hard to do these things when I don't have the fullness of his spirit in me. Come on, we need to get the fullness of God's presence in us so that we can live this out. Does that make sense? Come on, you're finding that hard? Get more of his presence. Get more of his presence. Live a life of worship. Not that I've attained all this. Come on, but let me press on for what he has for us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.